0: You are listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Begin at the End, based on the book of Mark, chapters 15 and 16, verses 2 through 6, recorded on Sunday, September 3rd, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Well, this is our last sermon on Mark. If you would open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 15, we're jumping to the end. Before I jump there, I just do want to talk about a little bit about last week's service in the park. Um, I, I, my only regret of doing service in the park is we have a nice Friday service in Cattanning for people who can't work Sunday, and they didn't, the, if, if they worked, they couldn't make it. But otherwise, I think just about everyone who wanted to be at church was there. What a crowd. And uh, it was just joyful. It's just good to fellowship with one another, to hang out. You know, you cannot do church right without building loving friendships with the people in a church. Uh, um, Churches aren't products or entertainment things where people come, they're entertained by you and you leave, although we often make them that. They're um, They're not factories where you come and do your religious work and go home and say goodbye to your co-workers. They are, we are the body of Christ and making friendships in church can sometimes be hard because you often start not knowing anyone, but it's very important you do. So weekends like last weekend were wonderful for that because a lot of you guys just hung out and enjoyed each other. But you know what makes that possible um, is you guys worked really hard too. And, and I mean at all the campuses, now not all of you, and don't feel guilty if you didn't do any. Work to pull it off. We, the people who volunteered to make this go, did it for you. Uh, but I just want to thank the folks at all the campuses. Uh, I put out a call, help Kevin clean up call, and he said he's never had that much help. Uh, after an event yet. And and I just think that reflects the glory of Christ because it shows a servant attitude and a joy of serving one another. And there was all kinds of work that went into it. I didn't hear anyone whine or complain, which is good because you know what God does to his people when they whine and complain? Read read Exodus. He opens up the earth and swallows them. (laughs) It's in numbers, too. You don't, wanna, you don't want that to happen to you. Um, but in any case, I, I, I just thought the joy of the Lord was there. And, um, you know, being the beloved of God is the mission of the church, too, which is very passive. You know, we're always thinking about what we're doing. But receiving the love of Christ ultimately is our job. Because we're the bride of Christ. And spending time with each other is important too. So I'm going to fit in a quick commercial here. Um, This is Labor Day weekend. For all the people skipping church, tell them who aren't, look to your right and left, whoever you normally see isn't there. Um, Remember, community groups start up next week. So it's a good time. The reason we have community groups is so that you can build relationships. I once had at one of our community groups. People all come, and, and um, I'm not hosting one this year, but when I host them, everyone, I, a lot of people do sign-up sheets for food, right? You sign up, you're going to bring something. That's so organized. That's so not me. So what I say is, look, if you want to bring food, bring it. If you don't want to bring food, don't bring it. I don't care. Um, and so what that results in is a lot of food. Now, sometimes it's not coordinated enough, like there'll be no sweets and all salty or all sweets and no salty, but it's normally an abundance of, of food. And, and all these people came in, they're all eating and they're talking. And, and I remember one person um, came in, this was several years ago, and, and said, when are we gonna do the Bible study? Because she was so churched, she couldn't compute that it is church. When you just love and enjoy one another. That's church too. Um, Getting to know one another. It's not all an educational process. all right. We love our Bible. We should study our Bibles. We should learn our Bibles. But how many of you have seen, uh, maybe experienced, people going to church on Sundays, Sunday night, Wednesdays, Sunday school, getting all the Bible education they can get, and after 20 years, they have not grown in Christ. They don't feel satisfaction in their fellowship, um, it's like they're wasting their time. We're a family. And uh, it was just beautiful last weekend. I really enjoyed that, and I look forward to community groups starting up. And now let's jump into Mark. This is our last message in Mark. Next week we start God, Men, and Women, um, which is a topical study. We don't normally do those, but um, God, I think, is going to bless. It's the right topic at the right time. But... um, you might say, well, how are you going to get to the end of Mark? Because I think we well, were in chapter like 7 last time we talked. Well, I'm just going to jump to the end. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> just jump to the end of the book. Um, the last uh, message on Mark is, is we're going to see the Son of God do his greatest deed. We've already seen that the Son of God is Jesus. That he has authority over everything. We've seen he has authority over the sick Heal them. He has the authority to forgive. He has the authority to judge everyone. We have seen at the end of the age. He has authority over demons. He has authority over over creation, over wind, over rain. He has authority. We've seen over death itself. He can raise a dead body and resuscitate it to life. We've heard the Son of God teach us about the kingdom and reveal secrets from heaven. But in all that. We have not yet seen his greatest works. The work which he said, this is the reason I came. And that's why we're going to skip to the last chapter of the book and see that greatest work. And um, this sermon, we're just going to read the Bible together. I'm not going to try to be too fancy. Three points in a poem, none of that business. Let's just put you know put our, our sandals and our robes on, go back in time, 2,000 years, and, and let's just read the Bible Together, and of course, talk about it as we go through. So, starting in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, and they led him away, and they delivered him over to Pilate. Um, it, it, it's uh, Friday morning. Jesus had been held captive all night. It is hard to stay up all night for me. Um, he stayed up all night. He During that evening, he was arrested at night. There were two trials, both of them kangaroo courts. One of them uh, before the Sanhedrin, the religious bunch. One of them before the uh, puppet King Herod. Um, and, and neither of them yielded anything. There were false accusers. but Just think... He was arrested at night. He had these these two fake trials. And now it's the next morning. And they bind him. They tie him up. If you had like uh, seen Jesus speaking to the crowds the day before, say at five in the afternoon. And thought, man, he's awesome. I can't wait to find him tomorrow uh, and and see. But I've got things to do. And you show up the next day at five in the afternoon. You'll say, what happened? How much change in one day, he's gone, so it's the next morning, and since the religious people, and Herod could do nothing with them, they thought, there's only one person who can solve our Jesus problem, and that's the governor, the Roman governor, Pilate, he has authority to punish, we don't, not under the Romans, so that's where they took him, so verse 2, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He didn't get this from himself. He had been asking these guys, what's wrong with this dude that you are delivering him to me? And they're like, he claims to be king. <laughs> He's like, so Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And and Jesus answered, you said it. You, you have said so. It's a strange answer. Um, Jesus is the king of the Jews. He's the king of everything. But but. The Bible teaches us that salvation comes in the form of national politics, right? It, it, Jesus is the king of a nation in the line of kings through David. Uh, if, if you read how everything ends up, Israel is restored and, and Jesus is the king. So in fact, he is the king of the Jews. He's not only that, he's king of all kings. The scripture says in Psalm 2, as for me, I have set my king on Zion. Whenever you see Zion in the scripture, that means Jerusalem, specifically the place where the temple is. God says in, in Psalm 2, I have set my king on Zion. All the kings of the earth, they try to throw off the chains. They try to tell me to get lost, but they do it in vain because I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And Pilate, he just saw a weak man. But he actually is the king of the Jews. But the the first time Jesus comes, he comes to die. He comes in humility. He doesn't make any demands to be served. He comes to serve. He doesn't come and say, where's my throne? And he tells Pilate, It seems the words of your own mouth said this. I didn't say it. You said it. (laughs) Verse 3, and the chief priests accused him of many things, all false, of course. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. If, If you're Look, you want to catch a kid in a lie, often just watch his reactions to accusations, right? If you're accused of something and you didn't do it, you fight, don't you? But if you're accused of something and you did do it and you're going to lie about it, you're kind of crafty, right? Now, none of you have ever lied. When you were a little kid, you never lied to your mom or your dad or to a teacher because you're all nice people. But I did once in a while. Okay, you all did. Let's be truthful. But have you that that's a horrible feeling. They're going to catch me. But you know what's a worse feeling? Sometimes as a kid I'd get accused of something I didn't do. Isn't that a horrible feeling? Then you fight. So Jesus is there coming up, I don't know what they're saying. He robbed the the 7-11. Um, you know, <laughs> He, he, he took all the kosher breakfast sandwiches and ran out the door. I mean, they're coming up with all kinds of stuff. He said he's going to tear down the temple. He said this. He said that. He did this. He did that. And the man to whom they're saying it has the power to punish him any way he wants. There is no appeals. There's no Supreme Court. There is no Miranda rights. There's no Bill of Rights. You are standing in front of the guy who can whack you for no reason at all because Romans could do that to people who weren't Romans. And Jesus doesn't defend himself. They're lying about him. He doesn't say that's a lie. That's a lie. Not true. Uh uh-uh. uh. He just brings no answer. And Pilate is blown away. I'm like this guy's gonna die. I I could kill him. <laughs> what, what what kind of peasants is this? Is, do you want to die? Is that what it is? But he was again fulfilling scriptures. Like a sheep before his shearers, he was silent, as the scripture said. Jesus came to be wronged. One of Jesus' main ministries, no, the main ministry of Jesus was to be wronged, to be lied against, to have kangaroo courts that falsely accuse him, to receive injustice. His ministry was to be abused. And just as a parenthesis, there are times in your life, believe it or not, God is going to minister to people through you because of the way you react when they wrong you. And I mean that. If you're always looking for justice, if you always have to be treated fairly, you will not make an impact for Christ. Because in this world, sometimes people mistreat people, mistreat people, mistreat people, one person after another. Then they come to you and you're the Christian. They mistreat you And you're different. You don't hate back when hated. You love when hated. You seek to forgive. You seek to work it out. And sometimes the best ministry you can have requires you to be mistreated. Then, if if you're ever in that situation, I want you to know, at that moment, remember Jesus at this moment. You're not alone. God hasn't lost you. But in any case, let's get back to this message. Jesus, um, he's being mistreated, but that's what he came for, to be wronged. Verse 6, this is now at the feast. This is a Passover feast, big shot feast for the Jews. First one, I think it's the first, you can check me, I think it's the first one mentioned in Leviticus. So when the feasts were set up, this was the first one. This is a big deal. And at the feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner, whoever they asked. And you could get arrested by the Romans for almost anything. So you might be a good person committing no crimes and be arrested by them. So, okay. Pilate seeing a way out. Maybe I'll get rid of this guy. And it says, From among the rebels, among the rebels, we're going to be about to be introduced to a new character. Ready? Among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection there was a man called Barabbas he did not kill someone he murdered someone killing can be legal you could do it in war you can do it in other context he was a murderer barabbas is a bad man he's a very bad man he's a murderer <laughs> and apparently He also is in jail that day. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. Why don't you release someone for us? And I don't know. I don't know what the situation was. The Bible doesn't tell us. There could have been a lot. There could be someone else they wanted released who's not Barabbas and who's not Jesus. But Pilate, he's not going to give them any other choices. He answered, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? He's calling him the king of the Jews. I don't think he's calling him that respectfully. You think of it, he's not a Jew. He doesn't care about the Jews. He's a Roman. He's got his own gods. He doesn't they're a conquered people. They're not that tough. What do I care about their gods? And so he he says, Would you like me to release to you the king? How about I give you your king back so you can be ruled? Won't that be fun? And look at this in verse 10, what Mark puts in there. For Pilate perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. He, he is a human being. He's like, I, I can't, this guy did nothing. He doesn't even defend himself. He's a lamb. He's not a, an insurrectionist. He's not going to cause any trouble. But you guys are jealous of him, aren't you? Everybody likes him, and they don't like you. I wouldn't like you either. Look what you do to people. Puts him up against a criminal. Who should I let go? But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have them release Barabbas. What? What? That's like a menace. You want to release a murderer? Could you release (laughs) who? No, keep the murderer. If if you hate Jesus and you want him dead too, how about say this? Don't release anyone this year. Go ahead, take them both. They'd rather have Barabbas than Jesus. They want a murderer released while an innocent man stays in prison. Pilate again said, Then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? They don't call him king of the Jews. Why does Pilate say this? I think he's just poking him in the eye. He calls himself king of the Jews. His followers call him king of the Jews maybe. But this rent-a-mob doesn't... By the way, let me get this out there. Some people think that the same people who were welcoming Jesus on the triumphal entry the week before and saying hail to Jesus are the people in this mob. And I've even heard a lot of sermons say the same people who thought he was great one week hated him a week later. That's not likely. I'm not saying I know what everyone did because I wasn't there. But you had huge crowds of people who loved Jesus. He had a lot of followers who were very sad and would never have said crucify him. Never. This is a morning rent-a-mob, right? This is the chief priests who are the most powerful men among the Jews gathering people they know are on their side in the morning and saying, come on, let's go do a mob, most people aren't ready for mob work. They're like, I can't do mob till like two. <laughs> I got stuff to do. I got a schedule to keep. So this particular mob, <laughs> Pilate was poking him in the eye. Uh, how about I release to you the one you call the king? We don't call him the king. And they cried out again, crucify him. Now... <laughs> They're getting to a solution, aren't they? Crucify him. They don't just want him dead. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done to you? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. Um, No one knew how this day was going to end except Jesus. No one knew that he would die. No one, not even them. They came up with crucify This is a horrible way to die. We don't really know exactly, and I'm not going to go, there's a lot of sermons that give you all the details of the pain of the cross. I'm not going to do that now. We can save that for Good Friday service somewhere. But I do want to point out that the cross is a miserable way to die because you're stripped naked. Now, some people are very exhibitionist. They're like, yeah, but... (laughs) Most of us are embarrassed to be naked in front of other people. I know I am. How many of you ever had dreams where you're caught naked in public? I hate those dreams. Or in your underwear, and you can't get back to wherever you have to go. These are horrible dreams. I know I'm not the only one, right? If you guys all say you're the only one, I'm going to feel naked again. But it's humiliating to think that Jesus, the one who is esteemed, will be stripped naked... And then the crosses were not, and the pictures are way up in the sky. And that's glorious, but that's not, uh, evidence says Roman crosses were very close to the ground. Because why would you go through the work to have a big glorious cross? Normally they were like a T, and they stood about here. And maybe here at the top. So you could walk right up to someone on a cross and look them right in the eye. You could spit in their face if that's the thing you want to do. And and they often didn't make you like this. They often made you like this because they wouldn't make it tall enough to make you stand up. And they said, why don't you crucify him? Pilate's going to end this matter today. We're we're ending it today. I'm either going to release him or, okay. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, release for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus... No details, just score. Just throws it in there. He took 39 lashes. He delivered him to be crucified. Let's stop here for a minute and think about what just happened. Barabbas is released, right? The criminal is freed and the innocent remain. Christian, you see the the symbolism there, don't you? We are the guilty ones. We are the sinners. We are set free. The just for the unjust. The righteous for the unrighteous. God treated his son like a criminal, so he could treat criminals like his son. Some of you might know this. Do you know what the name Barabbas means? Bar is son. Son. Barnabas means son. Barabbas, son. The Hebrew word for father is av. We would say av, A-V, but it's often translated Ab. And if you said daddy, you'd say Abba. So Bar Abbas is the son of the father. Isn't that something? He's named the son of the father. Whereas the son of God, who really is the son of the father, remains captive and is punished. And that's not an accident. God doesn't do accidents. Here's the beautiful thing, is someone who's not the son of God, he is a criminal, is treated like God's son, left off as innocent, while the other who is innocent is punished. My friends, I submit to you that Barabbas is you and me. Let's go on. And the soldiers led him, now this is... This is an eyewitness account. This one's tough. I, I don't know why. This is the toughest part for me right here. Maybe because of man's pride and I'm too proud and, and I need to can repent of it. But this is the most humiliating part of the whole thing to me. The soldiers led him away inside the palace. Now you go crucify him. Well, we're going to play with him a little bit. He's like a cat that caught a mouse. It reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've seen that or read that. Where the lion is is just getting tortured by all the monsters and demons, and he does nothing to defend himself. Jesus, who could just, he could just, with a word, knock them all down. He does nothing, and look what they do to him. They're in the governor's headquarters, and they call together the whole battalion. It wasn't just, well, I'll be the guard and you be the guard. They call, hey, guys, let's have some fun at this guy's expense. They're bullying. But they're tough bullies. They clothed them in a purple cloak. Hey, it's the king of the Jews. You need a cloak, don't you, king? Oh, you look good, dude. Wait, he needs a crown. I'll get him one. There's these thorns. Thorn of crowns. In the pictures, they look almost glorious. It's well balanced, right? It, it looks like it was made like Martha Stewart or, you know, or JoJo made the crown of thorns from that TV show. What is that show? With Jojo and Chip? Fix her upper. Like she made the, like the crown, like Martha Stewart or Jojo made the crown of thorns. It looks so nice. I don't think it looked nice. Have you ever have a crown in your forehead? If not, next time you go buy a rose bush, just poke yourself. Don't do it constantly because that's weird, but just once to feel what that feels like. And think of the jagged ones. And they said, that is your crown. <laughs> they put it on him. And then they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed. Another gospel points out that they they put the reed in his hand, told him, that's your scepter. And then they hit him with it. And that that they would cover his face and say, and you're a prophet, prophesy this. Boom. And they just punch him in the head and say, who hit you, prophet? Prophet. And they were spitting on him, kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. What can we say to such maddening bullying by these soldiers? I think one thing we have to say is how many times have we injured other people with a flare of anger? men especially, but women too. Have you watched someone's face grow fearful with your anger? Do you think it's any different? It's not. Bullying is bullying. How many times have you hurt people? Did you think God didn't see it? Do you think these soldiers are worse than you? To bully another person is to bully Jesus. And in these awful soldiers is a mirror of me and you. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. This dude, this dude, I, I tried to find out everything I could find out about Simon of Cyrene, um, and there's nothing. There's all kinds of people speculating. Some of the early church fathers said this, some said that. But the fact is, all we know is he was Simon. He came from Africa. We don't know if he was a Jew. who who was coming back to do Jew things, but he probably wasn't, because he had a son named Alexander, and that's kind of a Greek thing. You know, you would name him Myron, or, you know, something Jewish. John was popular. Uh, Simon, probably a black dude, because he's where he's from, we don't know. But we know the names of his sons. Now, here's what freaks me out here. Or oh, it doesn't freak me out, it gets my attention. So many of the people in the Gospels, we don't ever learn their names. We'll learn their names in heaven. Like, what's the name of the woman at the well? Well, we just call her the woman at the well. Okay, that'll work. One day we're going to find that out her name was Lilia. That's what it was. I know this, and you don't know this. But when you get to heaven, you're going to find out it was Lilia. Actually, I just made that up. Are you people with me here? Myrna. Her name's Myrna. We don't know. How about the blind guy in John chapter 9? He's just the blind dude. He's not even blind anymore. Right? How about the lepers? And the one leper who came back. He's just that leper. He's not a leper anymore. He has a name. Bill. His name is Bill. We just don't learn it. I don't know what his name is. But an eyewitness here says Simon of Cyrene. And then he says father of Alex and Rufus. Rufus. How the heck does he know that? He's just a passerby, it says. The Roman said, you. He's like, what? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on here. Here's what's going on. This guy's too weak. We beat the tar out of him. Could you carry his cross for him? He got a great honor here. I'm going to give you my best guess, and this is just a guess. This is not from the Spirit or from the Scripture. My guess is Simon and Alexander and Rufus were all members of the early church. They were not They were impacted. Why else do we know their names? Unless they're Mark's cousins. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? You ever think about that? So many people you see in the Gospels are members of the first church. When the people wrote the Gospels, people say, I wonder how Luke knew what Mary was thinking when she had this. Well, I I got a feeling it was like this. Luke walked up to Mary and said, Mary, what were you thinking? (laughs) They know each other. Anyway, that's, that's not a profound thing, but, I don't know, they're brothers in Christ, just like the people whose names you know. Let me move on. So Simon got that great honor, and then they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. Most likely, that was something to dull the pain, and Jesus said, no, I'm taking this full on. Um, Jesus Uh, you already knew this, but I'm going to tell you again here, he's more of a man than I ever will be. You already knew that, but man, I'd be like, could I have like a a, a quadruple helping of that? Give me the whole bottle. (laughs) But he took it. That's what he came for. And they crucified him. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of details, and and I think maybe we should leave it like that. I mean, I did appreciate what Mel Gibson did reminding the world that Christ suffered, but I'm not sure you need to watch the passion of the Christ. Because the Bible never makes us watch it. You can. It just says they crucified him. They divided his garments and they cast lots. This is a lonely and painful moment. (laughs) Go back there and look at Jesus. He's nailed to wood, naked. He's being laughed at the whole time. They don't stop. They keep going. In the movies it's kind of quiet and solemn. But that's not what the Bible says. They continue to abuse him. The scriptures foretold in Psalm 22. A company of evildoers encircle me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. All this was planned by God. But how lonely. That's, that's, those are the words of a lonely, desperate man. It was the third hour when they crucified him. That would be nine in the morning. And the inscription of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. Pilate's sticking with this. You're want you, you're going to kill him because he said he was king? Fine. I'm going to kill him because he's the king. So he wrote king of the Jews. So what do they do with the king? He's crucified as king. He's mocked as king. He's rejected as king. He's king of the Jews and he's pathetic and he's useless and he's humiliated. He's reduced to a tortured joke. And don't try to... Don't try to polish this one up, baby. Don't church it up. There was no other indicator. There were no angels singing, nothing anyone could see. There were no stations of the cross where miracles were happening as he walked down the road. Don't church it up. He's beat down and pathetic. And with him, they crucified two robbers. One on his right and one on his left jump to verse 29, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, "Aha! you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down on the cross, big shot. It's like these guys. Remember, the, the priests were powerless against him. Whenever they got close to him and tried to trick him, they'd say, "Hmm, sir, a, a certain man had uh, or a certain woman had seven husbands, and they all died. Who's who's is she in the resurrection? Or they'd come and say, John the Baptist from you know. Uh, they they had all these questions to trick him. No matter what they said, he outdid them, and the crowd was on his side, and they went away scared. Well, now look at him. He's useless. He's humiliated. He's been reduced to human trash. And they're now they're like, look who's so tough now, huh? Look who's so tough now. You ain't nothing. That's what they're doing, and don't think he's being silly. That's what they're doing. Humans know what this is like. They're crowing over a fallen man. People do that. Sports people do that. They dance in the end zone. They like do the moonwalk because woo woo woo. God touched on you. You stink. Fighters do it. Bah! that's all they're doing, and they're right in his face. Look at you. So you were going to tear down the temple in three days and rebuild it, huh? 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 What are you doing now? Save yourself. Big shot. Come down from the cross. So all the, the chief priests and scribes mocked him to one another saying he saved all these other people. The rabble liked him. Apparently he can't even save himself. Let the Christ, the king of Israel come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who are crucified with him also reviled him. The criminal element, the pastor's by, the priest's scribes, all they saw was weakness and defeat. And his followers were no different. Most of them ran away. Some at a distance. The women, women are always braver than men in times like these. (laughs) There were some of the women, they were right there. Mom was there. Mom was there. Imagine that, mothers. The only one only human there who knew what was happening was Jesus. It's not always important that everyone knows you're right, is it? As long as God knows. Verse thirty-three. When the sixth hour had come, so it's three hours later. He'd been up there three hours. This would be noon. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. From noon to three, it got dark. We had this big eclipse thing. Right? The internet put on as a show. <laughs> this big eclipse thing, it was a national spectacle, a worldwide event. It was real, I mean it was a real. People freaking out. Oh, it's lovely. This isn't an eclipse. This is three hours. Three hours. That ain't an eclipse. That's that's God putting darkness on the earth. God putting his hand over the sun. I don't know how he does it. What did the mockers think now? I got a feeling he had their attention i got a feeling they shut up. Did the Romans call on their gods? The Bible says, Paul writes in Romans chapter uh, 1, that the foolish hearts are darkened. Mankind's, Jesus is the light. The whole premise of Jesus being called the light in the Bible is without him, mankind's in darkness. Oh, there's some insulted by that picture. But they're insulted by truth. In reality, mankind will do nothing but rape, rob, and kill one another without the restraint of God in their life. Men are in darkness. They're not going to find God. So here comes the light. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, I came to bring light, to show you God, to show you truth. I don't know why darkness is on the land, but you can't help but think when we kill the light, Maybe God's trying to say, let me show you what you're doing. There's no greater sin in the world than killing Jesus. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani? Which I didn't cry out in a loud voice, because I have trouble just saying that in a quiet voice. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said this to fulfill scripture. Some think, well, he thought God forgot about him. He didn't think God forgot about him. He was allowing him to die. That was the forsakenness. This fulfilled the scriptures. And some bystanders hearing it said, hey, he's calling Elijah. By this time, they're freaked out after three hours of darkness. And they're starting to hear voices. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. Why would you do that, by the way? Saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, which will be a, I'm not going I don't have time to go into that, but it'll be a real freak out for the high priest because only he was allowed in that place behind the curtain. Once a year. And now it's open. Why? Because Jesus was entering into the holy place in heaven. Some people wrongly say Jesus went to hell then. He didn't. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. His spirit was with God. His body died though. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Did that centurion help beat him up a few hours before? Maybe. Because that's what conversion is. Conversion isn't always being the one smart enough to know the right thing and doing it, and then when you see Jesus, you know it's right and you do it. Conversion is being one of the priest mobs who says crucify him so that the priests will like you. Conversion is being one of the Romans who who says let me make a crown for him because when the gangs having fun beating someone up, who wants to be against the gang? Some of you say, well, I'd never do that, ladies. Can I pick on you a minute? I've heard this all through high school. I can remember high school, yes. All you gotta do is listen to, to you ladies twist together that uh, thorny crown with words like this. Yeah, and she thinks she's all that. Yeah, she's not that. And now you guys are tough. You'll close the out. That's the same exact, same exact sin. Or guys, <laughs> We know who's cool and who's not. And sometimes someone needs a beat down. This guy might have beat up Jesus. Conversion is when the Roman soldier and the mobster change instantly. It's not even like a caterpillar to butterfly because it's like that. They say, I see the light. Two men went in the temple. One said, Oh, thank you, God, for making me good, unlike this sap. And then the sap is there going, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he's justified. Conversion has changed. This man stood there, and he's like, I started out this day with one opinion of this guy. That is the Son of God. And now we've come full circle. Do you remember how we began this sermon series? This is not a mystery. You always begin a sermon series of Mark with Mark verse 1 of chapter 1. None of you remembered that. Well, I'll go back. We started in chapter 1. And what is the very first verse of the Bible or of Mark? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have someone who knows Jesus, Mark, testifying. This is the story. This is the good news of the Son of God. When we come to the end of the story, when Jesus dies, not really the end. but It seems like it. There's the Roman, and he says, that is the Son of God. And that's the purpose of the gospel. Someone who believes it brings it to someone who does not. And then the one who does not converts and believes and is saved. Which is why the gospel has to be on your tongue. Thank God for all the Christians who are going to be at this Hurricane Harvey situation. We're going to rebuild. It's a tragedy for anyone who died. It's always horrible to lose a loved one. But (laughs) this is America. We're going to rebuild. And you know who's going to do most of the rebuilding? Christians. They're going to swarm like ants. Organization after organization. Like ants. Just like they did after Katrina. They're mobilizing now. They can't wait. It's not just our church. Every church across the country is going to give. They're going to send teams. It's going to get done. But you know what? All of it isn't worth a hill of beans if during that time nobody... Does what Mark does and brings the good news of Jesus Christ to somebody. It's just a good deed that goes to waste. Well, this looks like the end, doesn't it? The Roman thinks it's the end. He's like, this guy was the Son of God. Did you catch how he said that? He said, this guy, this man was the Son of God. That's past tense. This is the darkest moment for mankind. Heck, the sky even went dark. The Son of God, the only innocent man to ever walk the earth. The only person innocent was found guilty three times in 12 hours and sentenced to death and slain. Turns out he is the Son of God. Darkness comes over everything. He was our only hope and he's dead. It's like everybody's sick and we kill the doctor. This is the darkest moment hope is dead. Except what the Roman soldier would find out, is hope is eternal. Because Jesus often liked to speak about seeds, like part of a live plant, but then unless a grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The Roman spoke of the Son in the past tense. He thought life ended at the cross, but he does not realize that life begins at the cross. Life begins at the cross for you. Christian, you want to get away from sin and have victory in your life? Where does it come from? Dying to yourself. If you don't know Christ, how do you get forgiveness of sins? You start by going to the cross yourself and saying, I give up. Life begins at the cross. doesn't end there. Jump down to chapter 16, verse 2. And on the very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were, these are his friends, saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man. This dude was an angel. Angels don't have wings in this. In the, when they show up on earth, they... If they have them, they, like, they take them off, they leave them on their mantelpiece back up in heaven or something because they don't have wings. He's just a dude, but he shines. And he was sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. People always freak when they see angels. Why? Because angels are freaky. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they're beautiful, but they're like, whoa, I'm scared. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Y- yeah, he has risen, he's not here. See the place where they laid him. This was the great work of, of Jesus to display the love of God by dying for the sins of the world. For a good man, someone might dare to die, but no one would die for a criminal. But Christ demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and then he rose. Okay, that's the story. A three-minute conclusion. What role does the cross and the resurrection play in our mission at Harvest Community Church? In other words, if we can't connect that to what we do, we're doing the wrong thing. What's our mission at Harvest? We exist to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere. We could have said to make disciples, love God, love people. As cute as those are, I don't like any of them. Because they're disconnected. You could, <laughs> you could live alone and, with your cat and do that. Just go outside once in a while and love somebody. We say we exist to increase the health and size of God's church. We value this church and any church. Why? Let me show you how the church and the cross and the resurrection connect by quoting from Paul. Ready? This is from Colossians 1. Look. It says, he is the head of the body, the church. If the church is a body, allegorically speaking, Jesus is the head. He's not dead, he's risen, he's alive, he's the head. He is connected to the church. Some people say, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't think that's what it's all about. And they leave the church. That's like your hand leaving your body. Because Jesus is connected to the church. He is the beginning of, and, and, and he is the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega all the way before time. But here he's a different beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. Nobody else died, got up with a glorified body that can never die again. He did, but he's firstborn, which means there will be more born. Guess who those born people are? You. <laughs> if you're born again, you're going to be born again. You're going to be born again, born again. You're going to get up from the grave. that in everything he might be first, preeminent. He's the older brother. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And didn't we see it? Didn't we see him cast out demons? Didn't we see him walk on water? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or on heaven, he's going to make this place worth living in, in the new earth. But look what it says here. How did he make peace? Remember Luke? I bring you great tidings of good... Great times of, good times of great, you know, that's on the Christmas card. Linus says it. (laughs) For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then he says, peace on earth. The angel said, peace on earth, good will to man. And we take that to mean end of war. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's peace between God's enemies, us, and him. Well, how did he make peace? Guys, let's dialogue. Let's sit together and talk out. our No. He made peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you were Barabbas. You were the Roman soldier. You were once alienated. You were hostile in mind. You were. If you have trouble with that, you need to put your pride down, Christian. That was you. Doing evil deeds. But now... He is reconciled in the body of his flesh by his death. This cross was necessary. Some people say, oh, cross, he didn't just punish one son so he could let the guilty ones go. What kind of, if my kid uh, broke something, I wouldn't punish his brother. God wouldn't do that. There are Christians who say that foolishness. And they speak from Satan's tongue with a Bible in their hand. That cross was where you were punished, Barabbas. (laughs) You say, well, I wasn't punished. He was punished for you. And that brought you peace with God in order to present you holy, and you, this is plural, all of us, holy and blameless. No sins and above reproach. So how does this fit our mission? It's simple. (laughs) We grow the church by telling people this gospel and faith comes by hearing we don't have to convince them we just be clear faith comes by hearing and they'll convert and they don't convert so they can go off and be on their and do bible studies then they become part of the body connected to the head and there's no sins that god holds against them they're blameless and this is the good news i just called you barabbas and i'm sorry to insult you but it was true but can i tell you this it's even better you're blameless now you're innocent. You say, well, I did so and so. I don't care. The blood of Christ can't be so powerful to fix what I did after. Oh, yes, it is. You're blameless. You're off the hook. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send the world, son into the world to condemn it, but that he might, he might save. Well, We give thanks to God for the gospel if you're looking for three cute applications look if you can't get your own application out of reading through the, the crucifixion Christian, I, you're not a Christian yet <laughs> but for those of you who may not be Christians yet I want to tell you God loves you he didn't have you hear this story for nothing he wants you to join with that Roman soldier you may have woke up this morning an enemy of God but you can go to bed knowing he's the son of God and a friend of his are receiving Him as your Savior. And that's an act of faith. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.